Hey guys, welcome back to Tom Girl. Tonight, we have VO legend Joe Cipriano. He has been the signature voice for some of the biggest networks, brands, and television shows in the world. You've heard the voice. Now, you get to meet the man behind the mic. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Welcome back to Tom Girl. I'm your host, JJ Jurgens, where we talk all things sports, entertainment, fashion, and adventure. And today, I have a very good friend of mine, Mr. Joe Cipriano. Welcome, uh, Joe. Well, it is awesome to be here, and great to see you, JJ. You too. Thank yeah, you so thank much you. for taking the time to do oh, this. I love it. I love it. All right. Now, you guys may not know, those of you who don't know Joe's face, mm. you have definitely heard his voice everywhere for years and years and years. You you have so many uh, you've been on the voice of so many networks television yes. shows everywhere for so long. Yeah, I mean I started in radio you know as a kid, fourteen years old, and I became aware of voiceover uh, at some point in my career. I had moved to Washington D.C. and um, I heard you know the, these these voices promoting uh, TV shows on networks, and I thought that's that's a cool gig. I wonder mm-hmm. if I could do that. But at the time. It was all these very big, deep voices, you know, as back in the 70s, the love boat, <laughs> you know, Ernie Anderson and Danny Dark. And, um, but it put a bug in, in, in my head that I wanted to do something with that. And then, you know, we could talk about how, whatever, but it, it ended up that I, uh, I was the voice of the Fox Network for about 15 years, CBS uh, mm-hmm. Network, again, for about 15 years. And, um, it's, and, and I get to work on a bunch of different shows. It's kind of like a dream come true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Your love it. Voice is fantastic, and I love Thank listening you. to it. Let's kind of just take everybody along. I guess the journey. The <laughs> Let's journey. Go for a ride. I do have an old photo of you oh, up really? here you know, with your start out. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you even get started in radio at fourteen? Yeah, uh, that's so funny to look at that. My gosh. <laughs> I love it. That's from the Washington D.C. radio station. Oh my that bowl gosh, is fantastic! My wife actually married me, and I look like that, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, I, I uh, was growing up in a small town in Connecticut. Um, I lived in Oakville, Connecticut. And um, our local radio station was in Waterbury, Connecticut, Top 40 AM radio, because back then in the 70s, nobody listened to FM. I mean, AM was the place to be. You know, all the great personalities were there. All the Top 40 music was played there. And uh, I I knew I wanted to get into show business in some way, maybe like you as a host, Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe as an actor, I just didn't know. But I I came up with this notion that to get into it, maybe radio is a good start. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought about all those old time Jack Benny and you know these people that started in radio and then went into movies and television. And so um, called my local DJ at this radio station and just happened to. Uh, meet a nice guy. He's a great guy who allowed me to come down to the radio station, and I had never even seen one before. Mm-hmm. And that started my love of radio. And even to this day, I mean, I, I, I've worked in radio my whole life since I was 14 years of age. Uh, even after I started working with Fox as the voice of the network, I still stayed in radio because I didn't quite trust this voiceover mm-hmm. gig, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it took a while for me to transition out of radio. And... Um, I I moved around the country, not too much. A lot of radio DJs will move all over the place, you know, multiple cities, two different cities a year. Uh, I moved from Connecticut 
I worked at a big radio station in Connecticut, WDRC, and then I got a job in Washington, D.C., uh, where that picture was from. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, that's, that's, uh, what, that's me today. This is studio now. Yeah. Uh, that's me today, <laughs> shaved and with a haircut. <laughs> Before and after. <laughs> right, exactly. Was it true that you were called, I read one article said you were called rock and roller and that you knew all the top 40 catchphrases. Oh, well, was, was I guess true? so. I guess it's true. Yeah, I guess <laughs> that's true. Can you give true. us a couple catchphrases? Oh, no, you remember God. any at this? I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, uh, well, number one, I have a face for radio, so that always comes up. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it's all those sayings. Uh, like uh, top-down sound, uh, transistor sister, you know, all those silly, <laughs> ridiculous sayings that used to used to have. When I was in Washington, D.C., I worked at a couple of radio stations, and I was doing afternoons at a rock station, which actually then transitioned into Top 40, and I was the number one rock jock, you know, <laughs> in Washington, D.C. So, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. <laughs> so then uh, tell me about the transition to, uh, to promo. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, on the air in Washington, um, I was hired uh, by NBC. That first picture that you showed was um, WKYS in Washington, which was an NBC-owned and operated station. And uh, I had just turned 20. So, I mean, uh, when I got down there, it was the youngest on-air personality that NBC had ever hired. And uh, worked at uh, NBC about three, four years. Format changed. Went over to the other station, uh, the Rock Station, which was an ABC-owned station. And um, while I was there, I started to get phone calls from ad agencies saying, hey, you know, we'd like you to do the voice for, it would be like a car dealership or uh, kind of an upscale, I did a few upscale department stores like Garfinkel's and Mm -hmm. Woodward and Lothrop. People in Washington, D.C. would know those brands. And that's when I became aware of voiceover. And it was like, hmm. I don't know much about this, but I kind of like it, you know. <laughs> and uh, and and then finding out that wow, you can make money while you're sleeping, you know, by getting residuals uh, mm-hmm. off of doing this. And I was lucky because when I moved to Washington, I got immediately into the union, into AFTRA, American Federation of Television Radio Artists. So, and that's because it's a big city, and it was owned by by the network. You had to be in the union to be on the air. So when I transitioned into doing voiceovers. It was all union work. So it was all the bigger type Mm -hmm, stuff. mm -hmm. And uh, while I was there doing that, that's when I became aware of all these voices um, at the networks. And I said, that's what I want to do. And then I learned to do that. You have to go to Los Angeles. So then I made up my mind that I was going to get to Los Angeles somehow. Now, one of your first big campaigns mm-hmm. at the network was with Fox. Yeah. And I heard that the, the, the executive heard you mm. doing radio. Is that true? And called? Yeah. I had you? had some. This was, that was 1988. I had some limited success. I actually started off doing movie trailers. And uh, in the early 80s, I did mm-hmm. Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Porky's and Porky's 2 <laughs> and Bachelor Party and a couple of Tom awesome. Cruise movies. And um, so I had some success there. I was doing Saturday morning uh, cartoon promos over at ABC. Um, but I was still, the day job was radio. And just like when, when I said I was going to move to L.A., I was not going to come out here and be an out-of-work actor. I wanted to have a day job. I wanted to not be that person who's desperate to get a gig, you know, because when you go into a casting situation in front of casting people and you need that job so that you can make rent 
you know, for for the month, it's not a good way to go in, you know. And that desperation, they can they can almost smell mm-hmm. it, you know, on mm-hmm. you. So I never wanted to be that way, and I always, you know, advise people to try to have a day job, you know, when you can do that. And so I was still on the air in radio, doing some voiceover work. I'm very happy. Uh, had an agent looking for more work, and um, I was filling in one day on Kiss FM here in LA. Uh, afternoon drive wasn't even supposed to be on the radio that day and this new radio uh, this new network had just come on the air a few months earlier called fox and the head of promos uh and creative for the network who had come over from nbc was rolling over in his head he's in his car driving home to simi valley during rush hour so that's a long drive Mm -hmm. and um He's rolling over in his head how he's going to make this little network, Fox, be different from ABC, NBC, and CBS. You know, the graphics, the shows, you know, everything. And voice was one of them. And so he's in the car and listening to KISS FM. And I come on and I say, 102.7 KISS FM, blah, 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 talk about the weather, you know, next song. And he actually said, hmm, that's an interesting (laughs) voice. And so, without knowing it, I was doing an audition to become the voice of the Fox Network while I was on the air, and this guy was just driving home. So, I was his companion in the car, and he literally, it was 1988, you know, cell phones then were those brick of a phone, and he picked it up, and he found the number for KISS FM and called the main number, and I even remember the receptionist you know, uh, intercomming me and saying, hey, this guy wants you to do something like a promo for a network. And I thought, oh, you know, have him call my agent. I thought, wow, I might get, you know, to do a promo. That would be cool. Mm -hmm. And they brought me in and it. And over the time of two weeks, I became the comedy voice of the Fox Network in 88, which lasted until about 2006, 2005, something like that. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. What a fantastic run. It was Life unbelievable yeah. luck. I mean, I, I always say that luck plays so much into, certainly into my career, but it's always about being prepared mm-hmm. so that when that luck happens and that spark happens, it ignites something. Yeah. Um, if that had happened and I wasn't quite ready for it yet, it probably would have gone by the wayside. But mm-hmm. I was really really lucky Mm -hmm. and also saying yes because you did have that radio job Mm. that you know you you stuck to and and then that's how absolutely yeah i know isn't that amazing and and, and i remember the network coming on the air and trying to get my demo to them and not having any luck and here it came around a completely different way through radio well and much better than just sending the demo like we were talking about you don't know how long much of that demo they actually listen to you never know But if he's stuck in the car for a commute home that's a long time i had him him for 50 minutes or or more yeah (laughs) that's fantastic it was good let's play a little bit of your promo demo for for people out there so they can hear you The fate of the world is in their hands. Something happened to me. They just don't know it yet. The The clue that will define their destiny. Next house. Open Ward 6. House has never been more committed. What do I call you? You can call me House. He's a brick. Next house. One sister's murdered. The other's missing. Nobody. And the number one suspect is someone she's dealt with before. You almost got me convicted. Sure as hell tried. But this time, she gets one more shot. Mm, You know what's interesting is that that, that's my drama promo Mm -hmm. demo. 
And I'm known as a comedy voice. And I've done comedy, well, all the way back to Fast Times at Ridgemont High and at Fox and later at CBS. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but there was a change that, that came. Yeah, where, I do, yeah. Uh, I, I lost one of those gigs. Mm-hmm. And half of my income or more was gone. And uh, Don LaFontaine is a well-known voiceover guy. He's the guy that uh, came up with the line, in a world, you know. He used to write movie trailers and one day became the voice of of movie trailers. And he's probably the most iconic um, trailer movie voice out there. And he's a good friend of mine. We worked together at Fox and at CBS. Mm-hmm. He was a drama voice, and I was a comedy voice. And I lost this comedy gig, and we were in uh, New York City promoting a book, Secrets of Voiceover Success, that he and I had both written uh, chapters in. And um, he called me up, and he said, Joey, Joey, get it. come over to the my hotel. And I, I was like, Pfft. I mean, that was a big hit, mm-hmm. you know, right in the gut. And I went over to see him, and he said, listen, you're too good to to not work. Don't you know? Don't take this you know and 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 go to a dark place. He said, "The voice that you're using right now, this voice that I'm talking to you with, he said, that's a different voice than what you do for comedy. You know, where I would be way up here. Mm-hmm. You know, Sunday it's an all new Simpsons. You know, and he said you should explore that voice and look into using all of your voices. And I had heard that NBC." was looking for a drama voice. And so I went into my little studio. We have our studios. Mm-hmm. Went into my studio, and I made up a drama uh, demo and sent it to my agent. I said, you know, I'd like to go after that NBC gig. And she laughed at the time. She goes, you're a comedy voice. <laughs> but then she listened to it, and she said, oh, it was kind of like that sound. And they sent it into the network, into NBC. And um, uh, a few weeks later, uh, they got back to her and said, you know, Thanks for sending in uh, the demos. We really like this guy, Joe. We want to start using him. So I became the drama voice of the NBC network that lasted for about two and a half years. You know, that Mm -hmm. that kind Mm -hmm. of cycled through. And um, it was a whole new arena for me to be outside of comedy. I was still doing comedy at Fox. And I had a, a a, a coach, a voice coach, recommend that when you go to Fox and you do your comedy stuff, Stop at home and dress into all black before you go to NBC. So you have that visual trigger mm. that now you're drama voice. Now you're drama Joe, you know. And um, it, was a, it was a great experience. And then the funny thing that happened was that job that I lost the, at, at the other network as the comedy voice came back to me. Mm-hmm. And I continued on after like a two and a half year break. I was the comedy voice of that network again for another 10 years, you know. It was and crazy. This is one thing I admire most of, about you because, you know, I was at that network yes. that, did, that yes. did that to you. Yeah. And um, just to see you, like, take something that, that could be such such a down, mm. you know, a devastating thing that happens and, and turn it around and, and discover, you know, I'm not just going to let this beat me down. I'm going to go find this other voice when people think that I can't do that or that's not me or that's not my brand. Yeah. And to go after that, I think Thank is you. fantastic. Thanks. You know, I, it's, uh, I talk about it a lot, and especially in this business, and you do voiceover as well. Well, um, you're going to get a lot more no's than yeses. And so you hear that a lot. And you just can't let that get to you. 
You know, it's 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 kind of a cliche where you say, well, don't take it personally. But it's very hard not mm-hmm. to take it personally when somebody is saying no to you over and over and over again. So you have to rise above that. You know. Well, and I think what, you, what sometimes you don't see as the voice of our artist either is the decision that made that. Like, it could just be what literally one person Absolutely. and a hundred other people in the company love you or want you. You know, yes. that's that's I think what's opened my eyes being mm. on on the network side is that I see just you know that you can't take that stuff personally you have to just mm-hmm. find a way to let it go because there's no rhyme or reason it, sometimes, oh yeah it it'll it'll eat you yeah. it'll eat you alive yeah, yeah you have to keep going yeah. yeah but because you had a great attitude and everybody loved you then then you were back in two I years was very <laughs> I was very like, poor yeah. i had some people who who championed me who you know i've had that throughout my career where people who were there for me and, and helped me you know and i try to to pay that forward and, and be that kind of person for other folks that are, are, are coming up. You yeah, know? and yeah. you do. You're one of the most, oh, you know, yeah. Thanks. So you do that the most. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's talk about your game shows. You do a lot of oh. announcing for game shows. So you have big news with a new one that you used to do 10 years ago is back. Let's talk about that. Isn't that crazy? That. Now, yeah. there's another thing. that It's almost like, you know, being on the radio and some guy who runs a network hears your, your voice again. Um, deal or no deal with Howie Mandel. Mm-hmm huge uh, show on NBC. Going back to when I was the drama voice uh, of NBC, that's when uh, it launched. And I think that was around 2005, actually. And they had me do a couple of the promos for it. So it it actually went on the air in December uh, of 2005 with a different announcer. They had Mm -hmm. a limited run. I think they were given two shows or something like that. And the ratings were through the roof. And when they started to retool and then they were going to do more shows, the executive producer, uh, Scott St. John, had seen the promos and said, uh, I want that guy to be our mm-hmm. announcer. And it's another one of those stroke of luck type things. So I became the announcer for Deal or No Deal with an incredible run. You know, I think it was on the air for, um, gosh, until 2008, went into syndication. I was uh, the voice of uh, the announcer for syndication. And then finally, you know, NBC really ran it into the ground. Um, and they were they, they were running it four nights a week sometimes. Yeah. You know, it was crazy. And that, that happens often. So it, it just by normal attrition, it, it, it went away. And fast forward 10 years later, 2018, I get a call from the executive producer, same one, saying, guess what? We're getting the band back together. <laughs> it's like, you got to be kidding me. And, Merry uh, Christmas! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, it's on CNBC, although they did do a holiday 10-year um, anniversary on NBC uh, just uh, for its for the first premiere, which was a couple of weeks ago. And it, it actually got good numbers. So I'm wondering what's going to happen mm-hmm. now if NBC is going to go, you know, maybe we should have that back over here. You know, you never mm-hmm. know what's going to mm-hmm. happen. But um, the way I work in, in this show and actually in, in quite a few shows – it's called uh, working in post. So my announcing is done after the shows are shot. So the shows are already shot. It was done from uh, Universal Orlando Resort. And mm-hmm. Howie's back. And Howie Mandel has always said that that show changed his life. Mm-hmm. It changed his entire career and launched him into all different, you know, it supported his uh, stand-up comedy he moved into doing America's Got Talent, mm-hmm. which, by the way, same executive producer, and I do that mm-hmm. as well, and have done that for a number of years. So it's back. 
Deal or no deals back, and I'm having a blast. It's so fun. When you say you do them at, at your home studio, do you see cuts of the show, or you yeah. just get scripts? Yes, and not necessarily at my home studio, although I do some that way. And But mostly, like tomorrow, uh, we're doing two shows, so I'm going to a studio in uh, Toluca Lake. And what they do is, everybody's back in New York City. All the pr- uh, post-production is being done back there. But uh, they'll send... Quick times of the show, you know, video of the show, mm-hmm. loaded up, and we read to it, and the producers are on the line, and they're directing, and, and we're doing nice. it that way. So I do get to see it, much like how we do promos in network. I get to see the video. I uh, am reading along with it. They know if I'm fitting in those little holes, you mm-hmm. know, because everything is in promo. And your viewers might not know it's in network. Everything is done first. The creative is done on the promo. They've decided how they're going to tell this story. And it's all cut. Music, sound effects, sound on tape, SOTs. And then we come in later with a script uh, where we have our lines and then also the lines that are sound on tape. And we weave in and out mm-hmm. of that. And it's kind of like uh, being back in radio. It's like talking up songs, you know, mm-hmm. where you talk up the intro of a song until the vocal hits, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's that same kind of timing. Talk about the importance of the timing and how you learn that cadence with promo. It's, it's so – I actually uh, have, have taught a little bit. I, I don't consider myself a coach, but I certainly can teach the technique of doing promos and what it is to do that. And I've done some master classes on that. And I go to conferences around uh, the country. I've seen you at a couple. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can um, get people up in front of the microphone – have promos with me and have the video up on the screen and give them that feeling. And I always say it's kind of like a freight train. We, we at the beginning of a promo, we have three beeps, beep, beep, beep. And on the imaginary fourth beep, mm-hmm. you go and you start reading off that script. The promo's going. It's a 30-second promo, and you have to keep up with it. And you know when you're getting behind. And once mm-hmm. you get behind a little, you're going to get behind a lot. And... So the timing is is so very important for that. And I can demonstrate to people who haven't done it before, and I warn them, okay, you're going to feel like this promo is getting away from you. But you know what? As soon as you get into it, do it like three times, four times. You start to feel the timing and go, oh, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. I have to go a little faster here, a little slower here. And I said, it's not until then. It's going to take a while until you can master the timing, that then you can do the important stuff, which is what are you going to do with the words? Mm-hmm. How are you going to make it stand out? What's going to be different? How are you going to interpret it? What can you do to make this special and to get people, viewers, to tune in to the show? You know, it's a collective. It's the writer-producer. It's the network. It's the executives. It's the show itself. The voiceover, everything in that creative that gets people to come into the tent and watch the show. What are some of the things that you've learned over the years of your career that are like little tips or things that maybe you wish you would have known when you started out, Mm. things you've discovered about VO? Yeah, I, um, you know, one of them is not to take everything so seriously. I mean, it can feel like it's life or death and and you're you're talking about your career and and maybe something happens that we talked about where where you lose something. Um, I think you just have to um, keep a positive attitude, and I think that's really extremely important. And so maybe I didn't know that at the beginning, but I certainly learned that. And it's more of the way I am just in my day-to-day life, you know, with my family, my kids, you know. 
um, I think having a positive attitude. And, um, you know, it's, it's also about um, never giving up. And that's something that I think I had it in me in radio, but I realized that the people who succeed in whatever their chosen field is, is the ones who never give up. You know, they're the last people standing. Mm -hmm. And if you just keep at it, and again, we go back to all those no's, if you just keep going and you keep learning from your mistakes and your successes, um, you can't, you can't truly appreciate those, those great highs without having those awful lows Mm -hmm. you know then you can really understand it so my career i call it a roller coaster it's you know it's like this constantly and it'll always be like that Mm -hmm. you're never done (laughs) you're always you know continuing Mm -hmm. to to learn and move forward i know that you do a lot of your own marketing and looking for work what are some some business skills on the vo side that Mm -hmm. have served you well yeah i think you know in um in being a union um actor or whatever, <laughs> uh, voice talent, we have agents, you know, that are franchised, and they um, have established relationships with buyers, um, producers, um, shows, networks, and all of that. So you have that opportunity for that to come to you, but an agent isn't out there all the time trying to get you work. You still have to get the work. And you'll get these opportunities coming in, which I call getting up to bat. You got to mm-hmm. get up to bat. You got to swing as many times as you can. And you're going to strike out, you're going to foul out, and then you're going to hit a home run. Then you're going to strike out, you're going <laughs> to single, and then you're going to hit a home run. And you just have to keep getting up to bat, you know, to do it. And um, so, you know, it's, it, it's, you can't rely just on the agents doing it. So, things that I do, I, uh, I read all the trades. Um, I have a, a couple of them that, you know, like Daily Variety, but um, there's some others like Synopsis that I get in my email every morning. And I there's a lot about what's going on in the business and what's happening. But what I go to right now is in development or um, shows that are coming up. And I look in there to see what's happening. Mm-hmm. For example, that's how I got uh, the game show Hollywood Game Night. I had seen it, that it was greenlit, and um, that it was going to be going to NBC. And it had the exec producer in there. And I emailed my agent and said, "The show, you know they're going to need an announcer. Mm-hmm. You know, let's go in and, and go after it. Mm-hmm. So I think on the business side, you have to be proactive. You have to find ways to help your agent, you know, find gigs. LinkedIn is another great opportunity to meet people, um, you know, or, or at least find out who is the head of creative for mm-hmm. a certain network, you know. And then try to do an introduction or have your agent help you with an introduction, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Great tips. Great it tips. Is a, it's a business. Yeah. Um, speaking of Hollywood game night, yes. so that's on tonight. Mm. Jane Lynch. One. Yep, with Jane Lynch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's, I believe it's been on, it seems like it's six seasons, I think, which is hard to believe. Um, yeah, that's hard. that is hard to believe. Yeah. The, uh, it's kind of one of those shows where they'll do 13 episodes and then it's kind of gone for a mm-hmm. while. But it always performs well for NBC, and um, Jane Lynch is is brilliant, and it's a it's a real neat um, format, you know, for the for a game show. And again, I do that post, and I'm doing uh, that on Thursday. I have two shows, mm-hmm. uh, no, five shows that we're doing on Thursday, because we have a new uh, thirteen 
um, episode run. So I'll do those over the next, you know, week or two or something like that. Um, but fun show. Love doing it. It's the only show I've ever experience where they have a live bartender uh, in, the, in the studio, and they encourage everybody to drink. I bet that gets the audience really, yes. really engaged. Oh, yeah. And it, the people on the show yeah, gets them really yeah, engaged. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's let's, good. Let's give everybody a little sample of the game show uh, oh, the game show demo when we can here, just so they can hear, yeah. hear some more, and then they can all go watch you on that tonight as well. Or no deal ever. If there is anybody to win this money, I pray that it's you. The banker is ending the million dollar mission with a record breaking 13 million dollar cases. It all starts right here, right now. <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood Game Night. <laughs> where each week, Jane Lynch invites six celebrity friends over to play games. That's really hard. Drinks, Bobby. Go to the bar, man. It's Hollywood Game Night. It does seem like such a fun show. You'd want it, to be on. You know when is. I watched it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's 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 good, and and uh, it's a genre that I got into because what we were talking about. Where uh, I, you know, I, I never thought I, I was working at Fox and and working at CBS, and I thought, oh wow, this promo thing is is great. And then when you lose something, and it's like, oh okay. I'm going to learn to diversify, Mm -hmm, you know. mm -hmm. So I started looking at um, a lot of different genres, live announcing, you know, done the Emmys and the Grammys and and a bunch of live uh, event shows. Um, Then I looked at game shows. And while I was at CBS, I became the um, announcer for a show called Pictionary Mm -hmm. with the late uh, Alan Thicke, uh, which was actually done live there at CBS uh, TV City. So I was live there for that. We would shoot two weeks' worth of shows um, on a weekend. So we would do five shows on Saturday, five shows on Sunday. Yeah. That's a schedule. Plus, I was the warm-up guy as well. So I was out there all day long. We would I would do Saturday and, you know, we'd started, I'd get there at 9 o'clock and we'd be done at like, I don't know, 7 or something like that. We'd have two audiences that would come in We'd have one audience for the first three shows, a new audience for the second. I remember one night going out to dinner with my wife Anne and and friends, and I was like literally, you know, my face <laughs> in in the soup bowl. You know, uh, it was it was yeah. grueling, but um, but it was fun. And but and, mm-hmm. and so it was all about diversifying. I do a lot of radio imaging. I'll, I'll do game shows, live announcing, anything that I feel will. Uh, kind of spread it out a little bit mm-hmm. so that if you do lose something, it doesn't hurt as much. Mm-hmm. You know, I learned that lesson. Yeah. yeah. And then also, how do you keep um, track of, like, the trends or where things are changing or moving forward? Ev- everything, <clears throat> promos, ha- has changed so much um, in, in a number of different ways. Like, um, where, as I said, I, I would be the comedy voice, you know, and Don LaFontaine would be the drama voice or whoever it would be. And that's was that was the norm. the The norm now is uh, different voices for different shows, and you know, um, networks are on, are on all different platforms as well. Um, I think it's kind of silly that a promo still says tonight at eight seven central. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> Who the heck is watching a show at eight seven central? I mean, we're DVRing it, or we're going to yeah. watch it on demand, or or whatever. And I always think that. I wonder when the creative is going to change on that, but it's it's still there mm-hmm. and it's still happening. But um, 
So that's part of what changed. Um, it, it created more opportunity for voiceover people. You know, it was a long time uh, for women to come into promo, uh, and it was it was excruciatingly long period mm-hmm. of time. It was not keeping up with pop culture and what was happening just out there, you know, in the zeitgeist. And so finally, that's happening. It's not happening as quickly as it, as it should be. But those, No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. Well, you know. Those opportunities now that are opened up where a network, instead of just having two or three voices, now could have 10 or or more Mm -hmm. so that opens up that opportunity but at the same time it used to be you had to be in los angeles to do this and there were a finite Mm -hmm. number of uh, men and women who were doing that now we can do promos from anywhere or do voiceover from anywhere in the world so a lot of these voices that are network promo voices for example and also commercial voices and on and on and on uh they're Coming in uh, either via the internet, you know, with um, different apps, you know, so that they can connect at full fidelity, like we're hearing here, anywhere in the in the world. And um, so now there are not just talent in Los Angeles. There's talent all over the country that now could be the voice of a mm-hmm. network TV show. So that's changed. And then finally, it's the it, it's you know it's the 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 job itself and matching uh, what's current in pop culture, and it's always changing. The announcer is out. The real sound is in. Younger is better. And it's a matter of if you're going to stay relevant, and that's pretty much my biggest job um, you know, for the past several years and will continue to be, is how do I stay relevant you know, in what's happening? And sure, it's this now, but I tell you, it's going to change again. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And you just have to keep up with it reading the trades, listening, watching TV networks, understanding why people are being booked to do things, mm-hmm. and and then trying to, I still work with coaches, you know, to change my read, come up with something different. Mm-hmm. Um, you just can't rely on what you did two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the word is definitely out that VO is the best job in the world. Yeah. And one woman who helped this was Lake Bell when she did her movie, In a World, uh, which you were in. I want to talk about this a little bit. Yeah. Because I love this movie. And I was, you know, yeah. I just read today that Lake um, uh, got a, a, a green light for a network uh, comedy. Oh, fantastic. Uh, that she's creating and she's going to star in. It's a fish out of water type thing. I think it's... Uh, young couple uh, and they move to Montana or something like that so they still have that big city kind of thing but they're in a small town Lake Bell is absolutely brilliant Um, so lucky to to meet her she um, went to drama school in London and she took voiceover classes and loved voiceover I mean she's an amazing actress um, but she really loved voiceover Mm -hmm. and she told me this. She, she, when she graduated, she had a, a demo from college, huh. you know, a voiceover demo. Uh-huh. And she said, I was going to move to L.A. and be the next great voiceover artist. And instead, I moved to L.A. and I was the next great waitress in the Valley, you know. <laughs> and she's always had a love of voiceover. Uh, and her career took over um, on camera. And, um, and she's a great writer and director. So... She used her love of voiceover to write this movie in a world which is about who we've been talking about, Don LaFontaine, mm-hmm. who, you know, came up with that word in a, in a world, that phrase. And um, the premise of the movie, it's a comedy. It has n- nothing to do with reality except that, you know, Don LaFontaine kind of inspired it. Uh, she um, wrote this movie 
where Don LaFontaine passes away, as he did in 2008, and who is going to take over the mantle of being able to say that phrase in a world? And she, uh, it, it's extremely funny. Rob Corddry's in it. I mean, the cast just goes on. Fred Melamed, and who plays her father. Uh, I had a very small part in it, and uh, but I was in a couple of different scenes, and she's always so sweet to talk about me. I would we'd go to the screenings, my wife and I. She would introduce me to the audience, and well, there we are with uh, with Lake. <laughs> That's at uh, Sundance, by the way, mm-hmm. where she won the screenwriter award, which was unbelievable. The movie hadn't even. Uh, come out yet wide and she won that award and that was the celebration afterwards um and it it was well received at sundance and and at sundance it got a distributor and it went wide which was which was great but when i first went in for the in the um audition she wanted to have a couple of real voiceover people in it and so going to the audition for this movie, there was like every voiceover person in town. It was like, hey, how you doing, Mark? What are you, what are you doing here? Uh-huh. Oh, the voice of NBC and, you know, all these different people. And uh, we all waited to go in to read with Lake. And she read with all of us individually. So uh, I had in my mind how I was going to um, introduce myself to her. I, when I was at NBC, there was a show called Surface. Uh, which was a sci-fi show that she starred in. And I was hired, besides doing the promos for it, I was hired to do the in-show, uh, w- w- one of those things like previously on, uh-huh, on Surface, uh-huh. and you talk about what happened. And uh, so I did that you know, for the run of the show. And so when I went in, she, she says, Ah, oh, Joe, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And I said, Yeah, it's great to, to finally meet you. You know, you and I worked together for, gosh, about a year. And she goes, We did? I said, yeah, we worked on, on the same show. Really? Yeah, on, <laughs> on, on Surface. I, I don't remember. And I leaned in and I said, previously on Surface. And she goes, oh, my God. <laughs> you're that guy. Perfect. And it, I got the gig. Yeah, that was a great <laughs> intro. Yeah. <laughs> got the gig. Yeah. She, oh, was, see, she that, was wonderful. Yeah. I love stories like that, too, mm. where, you, you know, you yeah. know that would come back around and you guys connected yeah. on this. Yeah. 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 Great, great voiceover movie for those of you out there. Oh, it's so fun. You're yeah. right. You're yeah. right. And in the uh, nobody watches DVDs anymore. <laughs> but when she does her director's commentary, uh, she's so sweet talking about me and Mark Elliott, who used to be the voice of CBS um, years before me. And we actually shot um, – the B team, we, we shot in my studio that you were talking about mm-hmm. uh, in my home. Um, and we did a couple of scenes in there, and uh, she talks about it when, when it comes up in the movie. Ah, Joe Cipriano, he's got this sexy studio. You know, she does this whole thing. She's very sweet. Oh, I'll have to snag yeah, the old DVD get, and watch. Yeah. I didn't see those. Clips. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I know we're just just about out of time, but I do want to talk about a little two more things. A little bit. Uh, talked earlier about how you do give back a lot, and you're active with the SAG Foundation, and mm. you actually got the award for the Don LaFontaine Legacy Award. I did. There, yeah, yeah, I did. Which speaks to your professionalism, your giving back, and what you do to help grow the voiceover community. Thanks. You know how important it is for you to to pass that along. and yeah. Interact. With that. Well, listen, I was uh, on the receiving end of that for a number of years, and um, I guess you know that's. Uh, it's interesting, the voiceover community, and you know this as well, it's an extremely giving um, sort of uh, community. And um, I've, I've been told among uh, actors who have come in from on camera that it's not like that. Uh, I have one friend who came in from New York who was in In a World 
who moved to Los Angeles, and he's an on-camera actor and also a voiceover actor. And he's when he when I introduced him to the voiceover community, and he saw how supportive it was. He said, "It's not like that in the on-camera world. I mean, it, it's really like grr, 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 grr. Mm-hmm. so." Um, you know, it's easy to, to give back, and I think it's it's incredibly important. And I'm one of the co-founders of the Don LaFontaine VoiceOver Lab at um, Screen Actors Guild Foundation, which uh, are state-of-the-art studios that are available to SAG-AFTRA members uh, absolutely free. And uh, something that Paul Pape and I uh, were co-creators, along with George Whittem, who um, designed the the studios, um, one thing that I was adamant about, and Paul was as well, is that it couldn't be exclusive. It had to be inclusive. So it wasn't just going to be for SAG-AFTRA uh, members. We wanted to get everybody in there, non-union mm-hmm. people in there as well. Uh, they have to pay a small fee to do it. But you know what I've always said, and we would get a lot of pushback from that from a number of, of different folks. And I always said, listen, this is the beacon. This is what... Uh, talent that are coming up in voiceover now and they're non-union they can come in here and go oh mm-hmm. wow so this is kind of like the one of the benefits of being in the union mm-hmm. i mean you have to look at it that way and stop closing the door and keep the door open and believe me it's gonna it'll come back to you you know mm-hmm. so it's been uh, a really successful and it's incredibly busy there uh, SAG Foundation opened up another one uh, in New York City that we helped um, get launched, and uh, so it's and we're really proud of it. You know mm-hmm. that it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, thanks. Well, about, just about wrapping up here. Each week we do. <laughs> I, it, I can talk lot. to Joe forever. This, this week could be a two-hour <laughs> session tonight. I love it. Um, each week here we have a tradition of picking the Tom Girl of the Week. So this is going to be our last one of 2018. Wow. So our Tom Girl of the Week is Kathy Lee Gifford. She announced uh, that she was leaving the Today Show today, and I have just always loved her. I watch that show every morning. <laughs> I love yeah. them, and and there she is. You know, she has her own wine brand and. <laughs> Just such a fun, like Joe, like giving spirit and just feel like she just has such a big heart and has been somebody that I have always looked up to in this. That's um, really nice, JJ. I'm surprised that that that, that announcement came out today. Yeah, I was too. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I I didn't see that one coming yet. What a great selection. Good, yeah. good for you. Yeah, so good on you. And what I love too is she's, you know, she's done all this so much in her career already, but she's not stopping. She's she's leaving so that she can go pursue more of her music and theater and Amazing. movies and all. So she's just never done. I just love her so That's much. That's cool. That's cool. All right. So back to Joe. All right. <laughs> so to wrap up here, what are some any things coming up for you? Things people can where they can listen to you. Mm, uh, well, you know the shows that are uh, going on right mm-hmm. now. I, I still work in promo at a number of. Uh, different networks, uh, more cable networks now. You know, you're always trying to stay relevant and finding uh, what to do. Um, uh, my wife and I wrote a book called uh, Living on Air, mm-hmm. Adventures a, in uh, Broadcasting. We have a photo of that one to show. So oh, okay. It's available on Amazon? Or uh, yeah, you can get it just about yeah. anywhere, uh, Amazon. Uh, we also have the digital version, you know, for Kindle and, and all readers which is kind of fun because it has live links um, that you can go and hear and see some of the stories that I'm talking about uh, in video and audio. And then there's also the audiobook, uh, which somehow I got to narrate. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I was the only, I was the cheapest one available. And the way we did that is we, uh, I really wanted it to be more of a, um, a, a kind of like a radio play. So there's a lot of original music in it by Greg mm-hmm. Chun. 
uh, who composed a lot of music for it. A.J. McKay was my sound design, and um, he did such an amazing job. So when you listen to the audiobook, you're kind of immersed in it. And a lot of the stories that I talk about from being an Italian kid growing up in Connecticut and my large Italian family and moving into broadcasting and all of those stories uh, really kind of come to life with um, the audio uh, in that book. Mm-hmm. All right. I can't wait to. That's going to be my holiday reading and listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe, thank you so very Thanks, much for JJ. coming. I just I love you so much. And love I just, you, too. Thank you. The best. So I thank appreciate you. you taking the time. Today. Thanks very much. All right. And happy holidays, everybody. This is it for 2018. I can't Woo-hoo. wait to see you again in 2019. We're going to have some new updates, do some new things, but we'll still be doing online content socially now through the end of the year. We just won't be in studio. So we'll stay in touch. Thanks so much for watching. I appreciate you guys so much. And it's been a great year. I'll see you in 2019. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. (laughs) The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.